Nachyomi for the Orthodox Union, Sefer Yoshua, the Book of Joshua, Perak Yud Gimel, Chapter Thirteen, Rabbi Bini Marilis. In Chapter Thirteen, essentially, we have the formal shift in the Sefer in the book from the discussions about taking the land and the wars to the matter of settling the land, which is ultimately the fulfillment of God's promise to Avram Avinu. God's promise to the Jewish people in the Midbar, all the discussions in the Torah about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim for the sake of Eretz Israel for the Jewish people in the land of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. And in the Perak Yud Gimel, we hear about some of the unconquered territories, the lands that were not taken by Yehoshua, and we get the beginnings of our Nachala, the beginnings of the discussions of the settlement with respect to the two and a half tribes, the Ruvain Gad and half the tribe of Menashe, which settled on the other side of the Jordan River. And we get a description and a discussion with respect to their borders leading into, which will come in the coming chapters, the discussion of the quote-unquote lottery and the division of the land to the remaining tribes. As well, we'll get a remark with respect to the tribe of Levi and their uh, situation with respect to not acquiring and not retaining an official portion of the land like the other tribes. And we will also hear simply about the different cities that are taken and not taken and require just a brief discussion with respect to ultimately then what Yoshua has in fact accomplished. Yeshua has aged. He's become very old. He comes with his days. The Mitsudas David points out that it doesn't mean that he aged early, but rather simply means that he has aged. He has gone on in years. He is up there with respect to his years, although he does have some years left, certainly in his life. He is aged. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu turns to Yoshua and he says to Yoshua, much of the land has yet to be taken. Rashi points out, And he continues, Rashi says the Kaddish Baruch Hu says to Yoshua that much of the land is left over i.e. much of the land which I had promised to Avram Avinu in the initial stages of our covenant in Sefer Bereshis, much of that land is still left to be conquered. And now something very significant, which we've pointed out before, but it's worth pointing out as well again, and we'll see in the coming verses, is that Yeshua captures a certain section of the land on this side of the Jordan, and that the Moshe Rabbeinu had captured a very large swath of land on the other side of the Jordan. Yehoshua does not control every city, and the Jewish people do not control every city and town uh, in, the, in the land of Israel. But rather, perhaps, what we can say is that they have military control, and that they have possession of the land without having control of every area of the land. It's under their auspices, per se, but at the same time, there are still what you would call strongholds amongst the many cities that exist in the land that will be taken over the course of years, and that will not be done in the course of the life of Yehoshua, but over the course of the generations that are coming, as they settle their property and they settle their land, 
they will take these areas as well and make them part of their portion in the land. So what's going to happen, essentially, is that the land will be divided between, or divided, sorry, divided between the tribes, but at the same time, those sections of the land which have not yet been conquered will be divided as well, with the expectation that the tribes going forward will in fact conquer those territories and make them their own and make them part of their nachala, their inheritance, their piece of the pie, the piece of Eretz Yisrael. In other parak, the chapter continues to describe the lands that are left over. All the areas of the Pelishtim, which we mentioned previously, all those things are left over. The place called Shichur, which is on the literally the face of Mitzrayim, on the edge of Mitzrayim, which you would now call in the modern the modern world the southwestern edge of the land, um, somewhere to the south of Gaza, where the south where Gaza crosses into into Egypt, that would be something what you would call Shichur. Right? And then an area called Ekron. Ekron is further north still on the in the Aza region, just to the northern edge of Aza. Those will be considered part of Kinaani. All these different ones would be part of the Sani Plishtim, the princes of Plishtim, the areas, the strongholds of the Philistines. Again, along that coast, which for many, many generations, for many, many periods, a long period of time, would not be taken and not be controlled by the Jewish people. Verse 4 in Dalet, in verse 4, Rashi tells us that what we are seeing, what we're hearing about, is the the breadth of our discussion um, from south to north. From Teman, called Eretz HaKanani. Teman is an area in the south, until until the lands all the way into the far north, as you see um, in the discussions with respect to verse 5. In verse 5, it talks about areas in the north. So what you're going to see ultimately is a discussion about a swath of land uh, east to west in the south, a piece of property running up the coast of the Mediterranean all the way up to the north, and then an area in the north in what's called Lebanon today um, until an area what's called Levochamat. In verse 5, all the areas of Lebanon, Mizrach Hashemesh, the areas what you would call east of the sun, until the areas of Har Hermon, until the Hermon, until an area of Vuchamat. Hamat is way to the north, would essentially, I believe, be north of Sidon. Sidon is on the coast of, of Lebanon, well into the north, and Levochamat is an area south of Hamat, but is nonetheless far north as well. The area we mentioned before, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I myself will take care of them. You, Yoshua, will not. After your death, I will take them. Your job, Yoshua, simply says God in the end of verse 6, your job is to apportion those pieces of property to the Jews and to the Jewish people, to the tribes albeit that they will not be conquered until a later date. I will help the Jews at that point. Your job 
is to divide the land into its proper uh, apportionments. Now Yoshua gets his marching orders with respect to this part of the command. Nine and a half tribes. Who are those nine and a half tribes? So clearly uh, we have to make sure we understand exactly who those tribes are. And we'll get them further discussion with respect to who those tribes are a little bit more in the beginning of the next chapter. Where he talks about Ephraim and Menasha. Obviously, Menashe is a part of the discussion here, but further along, and that you know, um, Shevet Levi, the tribe of Levi, is not included. <clears throat> right, nine tribes and a half tribe of Menashe. The other half of the tribe of Menashe and the tribe of Reuven and the tribe of God. They have taken their part, they've taken their portion. In verse 8, On the part of the land, based on their agreement with Moshe Rabbeinu, that they would come as soldiers and that their families, and they would then uh, retain the area to the east of the Jordan River, as Moshe had had properly uh, offered them at the time. In verse 9, 10, 11, 12, and through 14, you get a discussion of the large area that is the east of the Jordan River. Um, And then afterward, we'll get the specifics of each of the individual of the two and a half tribes. But here we're going to get the full-on border discussion about where they are. So let's understand what goes on on that side of the river. The way it works is you'll have, very importantly, you have to keep in mind that there's Ammon and there's Moab and there's Edom. And... And at the same time, you had Emori and you had Bashan. And those are essentially the five kingdoms that existed um, on that side of the river. Going from south to north, it would be Edom, which is to the south of the Dead Sea. Moab, which is to the east of the Dead Sea, um, which you would have would be Emori, or the areas of Sichon, would also be to the east of the Jordan and the Dead Sea. And then going all the way north um, into Bashan, um, is the area where Og was, where now it would be Menashe. And then to the further east, um, bordering on those areas, would be Ammon. So s- straddling up against Ammon and to the north of Moab and Edom will be the two and a half tribes. So the way the discussion runs here, the initial sections of the Perak, is it's simply a discussion of all the surrounding borders from south to north, and then we'll get a specific description of each of the different tribes. Here we go. Verse... Number nine. From a city called Aroer, which is on the edge of Nachal Arnon. Nachal Arnon is a waterway that runs off of the Dead Sea due east, about halfway through the Dead Sea. So there's a city way to the east that's called Aroer, and that's a, the beginning point of our discussion with respect to the borders. And what Aroer serves is essentially as a southern Line the Nachal Arnon will serve as a southern border ultimately for the tribe of Yehuda. And then a discussion with respect to other famous cities in this area is a city called Medva, which is essentially directly north of Arno, of Aroer, but is not in fact any sort of an eastern border, but rather is an area again. If you're talking about major cities, so Aroer going north through Divon up until Medva, which is further north. All these cities ultimately would be in the tribe of Reuven. 
Advul Bnei all the cities of the king Sichon, who reigned in a city called Cheshbon. Cheshbon ultimately be, will be a northern um, border town for Reuven and a south, southern border town for Gad. But the city of Cheshbon and all those cities in the, in the middle until and running up until the border of Ammon. Ammon itself will not be part of it, but running up along the lines in a, on the border of Ammon will be the areas of uh, Reuven and, and Gad. Yud Aleph, going further. All these areas going into the far north, into the Hermon and the Bashan, Adzacha. The Hermon will be very far to the north, uh, well to the north uh, of, uh, of Chatzor, which we mentioned previously, but to the south and to the west of uh, Manade Damascus. Um, and all the Bashan is an area um, to, the, to the east and to the north of the Yam Kinneret. Very famous cities, Ashtarot and Edrei, which will serve as towns within Minasha. Just simply as a reminder that Moshe, again, he is the one who had conquered the, uh, that area. He is the one who had taken that land. Um, he is the one who had destroyed and then ultimately inherited the lands of Og. Parenthetically, uh, two groups, the Geshur and the Ma'achasi, um, these two specific areas were never, in fact, conquered, were never, in fact, taken, and they remained as part of the encampment, essentially, um, of the Jewish people, within the encampment of the Jewish people. And then, Lo, that the tribes of, uh, uh, of the tribe of Levi, which would be the Konim and the Levi and the Levium, they did not um, they did not get a portion uh, in this area in this land. And rather, they got Ishe Hashem. Right? What would they get? The Mesudas David explains they would get korbanos. They would get their gifts uh, from the different tribes um, as korbanos. That would be their nachala. It's an interesting nachla. When comparing the actual physical land mass and uh, spiritual items such as korbanos, um, so one could perhaps say that Yehoshua is trying to explain what, in fact, they do get and how significant it is that what they do get versus that which they're not getting, which is, in fact, land. Now in Tesvav and through the remainder of the Perak, through the remainder of the chapter, we'll get the specific delineations of the tribes. We're going to go from south to north. And we begin with the tribe of Reuven. The tribe of Reuven will have a piece of property that is bordered as follows. It will have the, the Yam HaMelech, the Dead Sea, to the west. It will have Moab to the south. It will have Ammon to the east. And Gad will be to the north. And essentially, it will sit um, just on the uh, Nachal Arnon, will be its southern border, um, exactly. And we'll draw the lines further up. If you wanted to draw a line directly across, it would go from uh, the Jordan River through Cheshbon and slightly out to the edge of Ammon, and that would be the borders of, of Reuven. And now we'll see them inside. Here we go. Verse test, uh, 15. He gives it to them in families. Essentially, he gives it to the entire tribe, and the tribe has to define it and separate it out between the different families that exist within the tribe. All of the different areas and all the different lands um, in that region 
around Nachlanon, around Aroer, around Medva, belong to the city, to the tribe of Reuven. Cheshbon v'chol Areha Sheba Mishur, Divon u'bamos Baal u'beis Baal Ma'on. All the cities of Cheshbon, the areas that are around them, you want to call Cheshbon the, the, the center city, then all the suburb areas and the suburban areas around Cheshbon, places where people would settle. V'yatsa v'kudemos u'mefa'as, v'kiryasayim v'sivma, v'tzeres ha'shacha b'har ha'emek, that would be a, a hill in the valley. Significance of that verse in verse 20 is important, I think. What you have there is Beis Pa'or. Assuming that Beis Pa'or is the, is the same Pa'or that we hear in the end of the Torah, then within the tribe of Reuven is essentially Harnvo, the location, the mountain where Moshe Rabbeinu is said to be buried, where Moshe Rabbeinu uh, leaves this earth and leaves the Jewish people behind. Uh, so that would be some significant value as a tribe to have, perhaps, Harnvo within your midst. Verse 21. Talking about all the princes and all the different um, leaders amongst the people of Emori that ascribe themselves or attach themselves to Sichon, all those areas within what would be called Sichon's kingdom um, were now apportioned to the tribe of Reuven. And amongst those princes, amongst those leaders, verse 22, And Bilam, parenthetically, was amongst that group. Here he's called a Kosem, which means essentially that he is a trickster, um, a magician of sorts, as opposed to the prophet that we know him to be. Why that is, the Radak quoting from the Gemara says, perhaps it is that uh, he had lost his skills and that he had lost his training. He had lost his ability to be a prophet. Now he was simply doing tricks to try and keep himself viewed in the same manner that he was before. And if you want to wonder what it is that he's doing here at this time, it seems to be that um, the Radak explains that by virtue of the fact that the nation's on that side of the river, had listened to him when he talked about sending out their their daughters to entice the Jewish people. He was now coming to collect, and by virtue of him coming to collect, he was in that location when the Jews passed through, and in fact, they killed him. Okay, 23. So their ultimate endpoint in terms of their map, as we mentioned, if you want to again just a summary, Reuven is essentially as follows. On the, on the west, it's bordered by just the beginnings of the Yardane and the Dead Sea, the northern half of the Dead Sea. Plus, on the south, it goes according, it goes the border of Moab, which essentially will be here, Nachal Arnon. In the east, it'll be on the border with Ammon. And in the north, essentially, we drew a line from Gilgal, or around the area of Gilgal, from the Yardane, directly through Cheshbon, until it hits the point at, Nachal, at, at the uh, Ammoni border. 24, verse 24, we'll get the discussion with respect to the tribe of Shevet God. Now, Shevet God is between Reuven and Menashe, going north, again, south to north. You have Reuven and then God and then Menashe in the north, and God simply sits in the middle. God's borders will be, obviously, the northern border of Reuven will be the southern border of God. They will sit along the majority of the Yardin. They will border Ammon in the east, and simply Menashe 
um, in the north, which is ultimately Menashe is the Bashan, is the area of Og. So what God has is an area that's called Gilad. And so now we begin to see the discussion of Shevet God in verse 24. It appears in verse 25 that there's another place called Aroer, and it seems that that area, Aroer, is near a place called Rabbah. Rabbah is an area in Ammon. It's a, it's a, apparently a very large city, a very famous city in the, in the country or in the region that is known as Ammon, and that comes to essentially the point where God ends. So what you have here, is Yazer Chol Arei Gilad, all the areas and all the cities of the Gilad. Yazer, um, as a city, is in the southern area of God. It's to the uh, east of the Yardain. It would be uh, slightly northwest of Cheshbon, um, but not exactly the center of God, but it's apparently a very famous city. The Chatzi Eretz B'nei Amon, and part of the lands of Amon, how could that be? So it seems that part of the lands of Ammon, which essentially were captured, right, as Rashi points out, half of the land that was captured from Ammon Sichon. It would appear to be that it was captured by Sichon, and now it was uh, taken from Sichon, who took it from Ammon itself. And then, as we mentioned, Cheshbon was a northern border town. For Reuven is a southern border town, border town for uh, God. So as you go from there, you go further north into the different areas. <clears throat> the city of Machanayim would be in the northern edge. Machanayim is a famous city. David HaMelech will run there and seek refuge there uh, much later on in Tanakh. Um, it's a city further north. It, um, it sits, Machanayim sits directly due north of Yazer. It's north of the uh, Nachal Yavok, famous uh, Yavok uh, River. Um, and again, it's in the center of their area. But essentially, all it's a famous city, so all that surrounds it um, ascribes itself and attaches itself to Machanai. Uba Emek base Haram, Ubeis Nimra, Vesukos, Vitzafon, Yeser, Mam Lechus, Sichon, Melechashbon, Hayardain, Ugivul, Ad Kitseyam Kineret Eva Hayardin Mizracha, Zos Nachlas Benegal Mishpachosam Ha'arim Bechatzreha. That's through verse 28. Essentially, what you then have is that the way it falls out is that, essentially, as I mentioned, God runs the majority of the Yardin River. Um, modern day Jordan is much, much of what you want to talk about with respect to God. Uh, you have the city of Machanaim, the city of Yazir, the city of Sukkot, and in the northwest corner, it borders on the Yom Kinneret. That is God. And now we get to the half-tribe of Menashe. That's a reminder that the half-tribe of Menashe is attached to the other two tribes later on. Initially, the initial request um, to settle on that side of the river is by Reuven and God, and Chatzisheve Menashe joins up later. Menashe apparently is a very large tribe with great amounts of flocks, and they ultimately get the largest swath of land in the entire it what appears in the entire land of Israel, amongst all the tribes, Menashe gets a very, very large piece of property. This piece of property for half the tribe in the Bashan, as well as another piece of property in the center of the land, directly opposite God. Verse 29, 
Shevet Menashe, Vayil Chatsi Matei Bnei Menashe L'Mishpachosam. Again, as we mentioned, that is broken into the families. Specific families will be in this location on this side. Vihig Vulami Machanayim Kol Bashan Komam Luchus Ogmel Lechad Bashan Vechol Chavos Yair Rashab Bashan Shishim Yir. So they get an area what's called Chavos Yair, right? The areas of Yair, the cities of Yair. What you have ultimately would be 60, 60 cities, right? They have the city of Machanayim would be part of their borders. And all of the areas of the Bashan, the areas um, which turn out to be the areas of Og. Famous cities of Ashtarot and Edrei, which also belong to Og, right? And part of the Gilad, the Gilad will continue further north into the areas of, uh, of Menashe. Arei Mam Luchus Og Babashan. In 31, they were given over to the family of Machir ben Menashe, and that is their location in in the in the Bashan, in the areas of uh, uh, on that side of the river. What we're talking about here is essentially the areas that exist around uh, the Yam Kinneret and to the north of the Yam Kinneret. and to the east, obviously, of the Yam Kinneret. Ela. These are all the lands that Moshe Rabbeinu had given over to the, these tribes on this side of the river. As we mentioned, that when we talk about the splitting up of the land, that we have to include the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu had begun the process um, years before, and that ultimately what happens afterward is Yehoshua simply completing the process, Api the Goral, through the quote-unquote the lottery that happens at the end. Shevet Halevi, Lo Nasan Moshe Nachla, Adonai Lohei Yisrael, Hu Nachla, Sam Kashir Diber Lahem. And Yelevi does not get a Nachla, as mentioned before. Rather, God is their Nachla. Meaning, that before we talked about some of the things that they get instead, um, in a physical way, they get the Ishe Hashem. Here, they get something maybe perhaps greater, that they, in fact, their Nachala is Nachal Hashem, that they belong to God, and that's, in fact, who they are and what they, what, what they are to be, that um, they don't get property. They get something different. Their obligations and their requirements and their role in the Jewish people is different. In settling the land in the same manner and acquiring and attaining pieces of property in the same manner is not what Shevet Levi is about, nor what they are, are expected to be a part of. And therefore, they get something very different. Um, they they get Hakadosh Baruch Hu in a very unique and very special, very specific way, in a way different than everybody else. They get to be the Kohanim, they get to be the Levim, they get to be the Ovdim, the the workers and the servants in the Beis Hamikdash and the Mishkan. They get to be the ones who collect Yomus and Masros. They get to be the ones who essentially teach Klal Yisrael Torah, who exist in all these different locales and locations to be spiritual centers for the Jewish people. And as a trade-off, they don't get land. It is what it is. Take it for what it is. As a member, or perhaps, of the tribe of Levi, this is what this is the way it was established. Different to think about um, what would have happened if, in fact, the tribe of Levi had a specific location, how that would have affected the Jewish people, how that would have changed, perhaps, the discussion of the impact and the spiritual impact that they would have in their different locations if, in fact, they were centered in one specific location. Well, you then get now at the end of the tribe of the, the, the chapter, chapter Yud Gimel, Parak Yud Gimel, is one side of the river is finished, and now we have to focus on the remaining tribes. And we begin, as we're about to start that discussion, 
we see a very interesting uh, conversation that takes place between Yehoshua and his old friend, his old buddy, Kalev ben Yifuna, at the beginning of Perak Yudalit.